Tappers, what's up? It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap. I know everyone's doing well. Bucks won last night. We're feeling good. We're feeling great. We're going to go through it all. We'll talk about Chris Middleton. We'll talk about Giannis. We'll talk about Game 7. All of it will be today. And that will be the show. Because I don't think anybody's going to be thinking about anything else. You know, the Brewers lost again. It sucks. Um, I know there's some Aaron Rodgers training camp. And maybe we'll do the Madden cover at the end. Who knows? We'll do a little free talk, a little rapid fire maybe at the end. Um, just for the people. Just in case there are some people who aren't locked in to this Bucks run. Oh my God. We are headed to Game 7. Maybe we were always going to head to Game 7. Maybe we were destined for Game 7. But I do think when the Bucks were down 2-0 to the Brooklyn Nets, it looked kind of dire. It looked like maybe... This team didn't have it. Looked like this team might not make it. And looked, it looked like another early playoff flameout for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then they battled back. They battled back in great fashion uh, in Game 3 in one of the more ugly games you'll ever see. But it was a game that the Bucks had to win. And I remember Kurt uh, Hogg, who writes for the Journal Sentinel, uh, Friend of the program, but not really. We've never met in person. We follow each other on Twitter. That's, but he's a friend of the program because we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, when Chris hit one of his shots, I said, that's the that's chapter two of the, the DVD. And I've been saying, you know, his shot against Miami, Chris Middleton, that is. Um, that was chapter one. And so chapter two starts with Middleton hitting that shot in game number three when he went back and forth with Kevin Durant. Then in Game 4, the Bucks were able to take advantage of a injury as Kyrie Irving gets hurt, and the Nets kind of are shell-shocked, um, really, in the down the stretch, and, and that basically was the entire thing. And James Harden returns for Game 5. He's not that effective, but he's effective enough. The Bucks get out to a big lead, and then they lose it. And as P.J. Tucker said in his press conference yesterday, the Bucks kind of lost their composure, and they tried to not play Bucks basketball. Uh, PJ didn't say that part. I'm not putting words in his mouth, um, but it was pretty clear that the Bucks were trying to match what the Nets were doing. Didn't work, and Kevin Durant went crazy, and the Nets were able to put the Bucks on the brink. The Bucks then go wire to wire with a Nets team that probably was a little tired. Um, let's be honest here; they played a very intense game five, and. It did, they just didn't look like they had it. They didn't look like they were entirely there. And the Milwaukee Bucks took full advantage of it, winning wire to wire, and now forcing a Game 7. I want to start with Chris Middleton, though, because I think it's really important that we talk about Chris Middleton's Game 6. I mean, it, he had one of the best stat lines. The stat line has actually never been done in the NBA, which is absolutely wild. But Chris Middleton finished the game with 38 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 steals. He was 11-12 from the free throw line. He was 5-8 of eight from 3. Chris Middleton, as the kids say, was in his bag. But Chris Middleton gets a lot of hate. Now, I will say the Chris Middleton haters have sort of went away. They've sort of disappeared as more games like this have come out of Chris Middleton. But this Chris Middleton is one of the 
best versions of him. I mean, Chris could not miss. Chris was feeling great. He really was non-existent, actually, in the first quarter, which is e- even weirder about this performance. Like, he didn't really do much in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, he started to feel it. And then in the third quarter, he really got going. And Chris Middleton kind of rewriting his legacy a little bit. I think there are some who think he's not a top 20 player. I think I probably have to do the exercise. Uh, Simmons and Rosillo did it, and I kind of want to do it myself to just see what, where would I put these guys, and maybe that's an off-season project for me. But looking at it is, I think Chris Middleton can be a top 20 guy, and that was a top 20 performance. That was a top 20 player in the NBA. And when Chris Middleton is doing that, Combined with Giannis sort of changing his approach, and we'll talk about that in a little bit here, it's unstoppable. And Middleton is a guy that I think all Bucks fans should respect. And if you don't respect Chris Middleton at this point, I don't know what the fuck your problem is. I don't know what you want. Because Chris was so good tonight, or last night, excuse me. Chris just really played a masterful basketball game. And Game six will probably be, should be defined as the Chris Middleton game. It was the game where Chris Middleton took over and said, all right, I'm putting the team on my back tonight. It is me, and I'm going to make this happen for our team. And yeah, I, I just I thought that Chris just had everything going. He, made a t- he was the only one making threes. And look, the three-point shooting, just as an aside, the Bucks have really not shot the ball well from three all all season, all you know series, and it, it, it's been really sort of surprising, right? Because the Bucks have been so good at threes this season, better than they were the last two playoffs for the regular season. They ranked in the top five, but the Bucks set were so excluding Giannis, Dean Malat, all the Bucks, great follow on Twitter. But the Bucks excluding Giannis Antetokounmpo have just shot. 50 of 177, 28% from three against the Nets. And and as I said on Twitter last night, you can follow me, Stone Tap WI if you want, um, it has to even out. My dad has, is a big proponent of the law of large averages. And the law of large averages would say that this you have to basically get this even and that the bucks will come through. And I am praying to God that Saturday is the day. That Saturday is the day where it all starts falling for them. And I, it, it very well could. And I I mean, that would be incredible, right? If suddenly the Bucks can't miss from three and they are just feeling good and ready to go. I do think that this game six, now game seven will be different because it's in Brooklyn. That crowd is surprisingly good. I don't think any of us, including you know national media types, thought that Brooklyn would have that good of a crowd, but they do. Um, The crowd is great. So whatever the slander about, oh, the New York doesn't care, it's a Knicks town, all this bullshit that you kind of heard from New Yorkers is kind of fraudulent in a lot of ways. Because that that Brooklyn crowd's legit. Like, it's legitimately good. But if the Bucs get going early, you know, what what is going to happen there? If the Bucs start hitting threes and they start building a lead... What are, what are they going to do? You know, and, and how can we keep the crowd out of it? Making a ton of threes. And and we'll talk more about the game seven. I want to get to Giannis. But yeah, it's 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 a new environment for these guys. Giannis is own one, Middleton's own one, I believe, in game sevens. This is only this will only be their second. Durant and Harden, this will be their fourth. 
Kyrie plays. I don't know what Kyrie's Game 7 record is, but he's played in a few of them as well. So this will be a little different. And we'll talk about Game 7 later. I do want to talk about Giannis changing his approach, though, before before we get there. So Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, kind of came under fire uh, after Game 5. I think a lot of people wanted him to guard Kevin Durant, and I have a thought on that um, as well. And also, too, you know, the frustration of Giannis just not wanting to be a post player. Now, in talking to some people, it basically what I've heard is that Giannis, you know, the, the team, the Bucs, want, want Giannis to be more of a post guy. Like Giannis, they want Giannis to be in the post. They want him to sort of be, as Bill Simmons says, the modern day Shaq, another Simmons reference. Sorry, one of my favorites. He's good, he gets referenced a lot. Um, so that's what the Bucs want. Now, Giannis's team wants him to be more of a three-point shooter, wants him to do more on the outside. So that's what Giannis is doing. And in, from my perspective, the way I see it is Giannis looks up to Kevin Durant. Now, Jay Williams was banging the table that, you know, because he said, you know, Kevin Durant's the best in the world, that he's admitting defeat, waving the white flag. I don't really know what Jay Williams smokes regularly, but... It, it, it ain't it. Like, Jay Williams has had a bad series. You want to talk about guys who've had bad series that have nothing to do with the the overall game? Jay Williams is one of them because his comments about Durant not wanting to be called Giannis, um, all this other shit, um, you know, Jay Williams is just an idiot. And that's plain and simple. Uh, but the fact is, is that Giannis, you know, wants to be Durant. And even though Durant might not want to be called Giannis, Giannis wants to be called Durant. Giannis looks up to Durant. Durant's one of his favorite players. I mean, you look back, like you could go through the archives of Giannis commenting on how much respect he has for Kevin Durant and how much he loves Kevin Durant and looks up to Kevin Durant. So it's not surprising that Giannis doesn't want to be a post player. I get it. But at some point, Giannis has to admit defeat. And I don't know if he even admitted defeat tonight, but someone said something. Because, look, Giannis, yes, was 12 for 20, but all of his stuff was inside. He had 17 rebounds. He had 30 points. He only turned the ball over three times. He only had two fouls. Um, And he made six free throws out of 10, which I'll take. I know it's 60%. It's not the greatest percentage, but for Giannis and how he struggled this, this playoffs, I think that was a major confidence boost. And someone talked to Giannis about it because he didn't shoot one three. You did not shoot a single three tonight, and it was all inside. And so someone got into Giannis's ear. I don't know if it was the coaching staff and said, hey, look, just maybe try it our way. If you don't like it or it doesn't work, we, you can go back to what you were doing, but let's just try it for this game, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do in game seven. Giannis was dominant down there. They cannot hold Giannis in the paint. They just can't. They don't have the size. Jeff Green, Blake Griffin... That's they, they don't they don't have it. Kevin Durant occasionally. It's not, it's not going to work. And this to me is the way that they beat Brooklyn in Game Seven. This exact sort of strategy of a lot of Chris Middleton outside and Giannis inside the inside out game of Giannis and Middleton. Just that to me is the way to do it. And look, if you want some kind of points. As, as the, I think, SportsCenter had this, Shafty tweeted it out, both Giannis and Middleton have multiple games this series of 30 points and 10 rebounds. The only other playoff duo to do that 
is Shaq and Kobe in the 2002 Western Conference Finals. So, look, just be modern-day Shaq. I don't know if Chris is Kobe. I don't know how long to go that far. But, like, just be modern-day Shaq, man. Just at this point, accept that's what you are at this point. You can still work on your outside shot. But I I don't know why he doesn't just become the next Hakeem Olajuwon. That, to me, is who he should look at. As modern-day Hakeem, modern-day Shaq. Like, let's get it. And I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to have another big game on Game 7. And I think it's going to be mostly post-related. Also, too, so a lot of people killed Giannis and said, why aren't you guarding Kevin Durant? Why aren't you picking up KD? CJ McCollum even said something, the Portland Trailblazer guard. And it was interesting to hear P.J. Tucker after the game. And I love P.J. Tucker. Uh, P.J. Tucker, buck for life, like, can do no wrong. I don't think he's going to want to be in Milwaukee. Uh, long term, I heard from somebody, PJ was like, yeah, if I come back, I'm going to get a place in Chicago and just just drive in. I'm like, eh, interesting. I don't know how that would work, but do you, man? Uh, but regardless, PJ was like, look, I'm exhausted guarding Kevin Durant. Like, talked about how much it affects his offensive game. Because someone asked him about what he's doing on offense, and he's like, look, I can't do a ton on offense because... All of what I exert on on defense facing Kevin Durant takes so much out of me. And I thought that was so interesting. And, and I know not a lot of people will watch that press conference and pay attention to what P.J. Tucker said there. But it's so important because I think it matters on in the scope of Giannis doesn't need to do that. Giannis shouldn't have to go through that. That's tough for Giannis. And I think less and less people understand that. And I think to to understand that Giannis can't exert that much on defense because they need him on offense. It's similar with Chris Middleton. We saw it a lot in that Miami series in the bubble, right? Chris Middleton, and not a lot of people I thought got down with this, but Chris Middleton exerted so much on defense facing off against Jimmy Butler that he was worn out trying to do the offense too. And so I think that's why P.J. Tucker is so vital to this Bucks team. And if the Bucks don't bring back P.J. Tucker next year, I hope they bring back a version of P.J. Tucker, a defensive stopper that can kind of ease the, ease the defense for guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton. Giannis did also have some moments where he was on Durant um, in, in the last game. So I look, I thought that that Giannis and Chris, as I said to start, were unreal tonight. And they that was as good as I've seen those two together in a long, long time. Best in the series so far. And it, in a lot of ways, I, I think that should scare Brooklyn. And I know that Rick Buecher, uh, who's kind of a hot take artist at this point, has said, oh, well, did the Bucks, you know, figure out the Brooklyn Nets? I think there's a small case to be made for that. Because if you think about it, the Milwaukee Bucks could have won the series. I mean, the the series could be over. I could be talking to you even more hungover than I am right now because I was out all night celebrating that the Bucks are moving on. But they didn't because they had a bad fourth quarter and they fell apart late. But if you really think through this, the Bucks had have now really owned the Nets for last eight quarters, probably six and a half of them, right? Like, 
I think I don't think they the Nets won one quarter in Game Six. Like I can't pinpoint and say, all right, yeah, that was the Nets quarter. Even the second where I think they outscored the Bucks, I I didn't really feel like it was a Nets quarter. I never felt that nervous. There were moments where I was like, oh, you got it down to five, you got it down to six, but it never really felt like the the momentum shift. And there was no momentum shift. The momentum always stayed with the Bucks because. Chris Middleton hit a big shot or Giannis hit a big shot. But the Bucks, when they're not playing isolation basketball, they're a better team than the Brooklyn Nets. And I think the way Brooklyn plays is more isolation. It's more Durant. And I think they get caught up in it. And I, I've been saying this the entire series, and I think it's really true. And I think P.J. Tucker even mentioned, like, the difference between Game Six and Game and Game Five was that we kept our composure in Game Six. Whenever the Nets got you know down a little bit, we kept our composure and kept playing basketball. And that is exactly what they need to do in Game Seven. And they need to drown out the noise. They need to drown out the whammy guy. Like it just needs to be the Milwaukee Bucks and themselves, and not listen to anything around them, and not see anything around them, and just keep playing basketball. And this is a big moment. I mean, for a variety of reasons for the Milwaukee Bucks. I I know that everyone wants to talk about legacy. And I, I think that it's overdone. There's a reason why the PMT crowd is sort of making a mockery of it as they should. The Does Giannis need this for his legacy? Maybe. So, I, look, he's a young guy. If any... I. I I heard one guy say, oh, well, the Bucks should, you know, should they blow this up after a year? Fuck no. They have these guys for four more years. Are they going to probably get a new coach if, if they lose game seven? Yeah. They probably will too if they lose to Philly or Atlanta. The only way I think Bud is keeping his job if he wins the NBA final. I don't know if Bud will keep his job even if they lose the NBA finals. I know that sounds crazy, but it, I think it's real. I think the Carlisle thing, which we can talk about in a second here, I think he's fucking real. And I, I don't know. I don't know what that that does to a team. Um, and I wondered that out loud on Twitter yesterday. And it obviously didn't affect the Bucks too much. But the fact of the matter is, is that it this game seven is important. It all Game sevens are always going to be important. But it's not going to change the direction of Giannis's legacy. I guess... The only way it would, if we want to really play this game, the only way it would is if Giannis, let's say, takes over in the fourth quarter and is the best player on the court. I think that would open up people's eyes a lot. But I, you know, the the Clippers game. Remember the Clippers game in the regular season where Giannis was just unstoppable for the last five minutes of the game? I think he had 19 points in that last five minutes. If Giannis does that, then, then I do think there are people who the narrative starts changing a little bit on onto the combo. But, you know, what What happens if Chris Middleton takes over? And Chris Middleton is this guy, this clutch closer that I think a lot of us locally know. And I think nationally more and more people are starting to get the vibe of that. And Durant is scary as hell in that situation. He's 3-1 and one in Game 7s. I can't believe Harden's 3-1 and one in Game 7s. And Harden, I think, is a liability. But I, I think the Nets are doing a good job of hiding Harden. Like, I know us as Bucks fans are like, why aren't they attacking Harden more? And I think it's hard. I think they, they do a good job of hiding him. He looked a little better 
in Game 6. I think the worst-case scenario would be Harden, Kyrie, and KD all back. Now, if they play and the Bucks win, I mean, holy shit. That's, a, that's even bigger. And in a lot of ways, I don't know. Do you selfishly want that as a Bucks fan? Do I kind of want to beat the best. And I kind of would rather just beat everybody than beat one or beat two. You're, you're going to play hard and hard will be there. But we'll see, man. It's going to be so intense. Every, every basket's going to matter. Um, every moment, every run. We'll be at the Broad House. Um, again, free advertising for them, by the way. Now 4-0, I believe, at the Broad House, which is crazy. Um, and now we'll be there again on Saturday. It'll be rocking. Our guy Tim behind the bar. Um, it's been really cool. Um, so even if this Bucks thing ends um, on Saturday, that's it's been a it's been kind of a cool thing that we've developed. Um, Mitch and I, Murph joined us yesterday. Um, we had a great time, and hope I, you know others can come. I've invited people. Uh, people have turned me down. It's okay. It's okay. I get it. Uh, but man, we we had a blast, and it was it was a lot of fun. Mitch ne- nearly started a fight, which was uncharacteristic of Mitch. Uh, but some guy, he was oh man, he he was on something. I don't know, cocaine, weed, whatever, something, pills. He was just kind of like hanging out, kind of wanted to be in our group. And Mitch was like, dude, just get the fuck away. Like seriously, like I I just can't deal with this. And the Nets were kind of tightening it up. And and then Mitch apologized to the guy after. He's like, sorry, dude. Like, and, and and for good reason, right? Like, we want this to be fun. Um, the guy was unexpected. I kind of was like, why does this guy keep talking? Because like we, when we watch games, like we don't really talk that much. We just kind of we'll we'll talk after baskets. We'll we'll kind of talk when there there's space to talk. But when the game's going on, we we're, we're locked in. And so this this is it was really funny. Um, but man, the Browns has treated us really well. Um, shout out to those guys, and we'll afford to be there Saturday. We'll we'll be there. We'll be ready to go. And as I said in the review, if you've watched it on the variety of channels, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, we're ready for war. We're war ready, man. This is this is war, and we're gonna bring the AKs. We're gonna bring the, the M80s. We're gonna bring the grenade launchers. As Kevin Garnett says, it's Game Seven time, and anything can happen. Sometimes in Game 7, it's the people you don't expect. So it could be Pat Connaughton scoring 15 points and being the reason they win. I will say this, though. If if someone on the Nets like is the difference maker that isn't Kevin Durant or James Harden, it's going to be a really tough pill to swallow. So if Jeff Green has another huge game, or if Joe Harris comes out of the clouds and finally brings it together, or Bruce Brown reappears... Like that will hurt me so much more. Blake Griffin too, I guess. Like that will hurt me so much more than I just getting beat by Durant and Harden. And we'll see what happens. And if they do end up losing, who knows what's the future with Mike Budenholzer? Because there's already been rumors of that beforehand. And then you add the Rick Carlisle thing into the mix. Rick Carlisle decided to part ways with Dallas. And Carlisle, basically, the rumor is out that he's he would be the Bucks coach if offered. And that's basically what I garnered from the commentary from Mark Stein. Uh, who else had something about, about this? But Mark Stein was kind of all over it. Mark Stein, Dallas guy, is like, it's been bubbling for weeks. The Bucks and Carlisle rumors, John Horst and, and uh, 
Rick Carlisle worked together in Detroit. Oh, Rick Buecher also said something. Uh, so that was the former, like, Simmons did a podcast with those three guys, which was always a good one. Three-Man Weave or whatever he called it. Buecher and Steiny Mel. Um, legendary old podcast. But anyways, so you you have that Carlisle rumor just kind of sitting there. And I wondered, like, do the players know this? Do they know it's been bubbling? Is it just sort of a front office thing? Does Mike Budenholzer know? Is Mike Budenholzer doing different things because he's like, fuck, I'm going to lose my job? Like, I don't know. Back against the wall, you kind of act differently. And who knows? We'll see what happens. And if, yes, if the Bucks lose, yeah, maybe maybe Rick Carlisle comes to town. And if they win and keep it up, look, I will take a championship and two more years, three more years of bud over a better coach. I just will. I'll ride it out. It's kind of the Mike McCarthy thing in a weird way, right? Although I think in 2010, we didn't know Mike McCarthy was a bad coach. I don't think Mike McCarthy was a bad coach in 2010. I think as he didn't evolve with the game, I think he just sort of stayed in 2010 as it as it went on. I don't think that's Bud's problem. I think Bud's well, Bud doesn't just adjust and he just doesn't, doesn't do that. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, it's going to be intense, man. And Milwaukee will be on fire, I'm sure. And we'll either be celebrating in the streets or we'll be depressed. And it's crazy we have another we have another series left like before we get to the finals. Morgan, my fiance, goes like, as we're getting coffee for the morning, and she's like, is this game four? Or is this, there are four teams left? And I was like, yeah. And I was kind of paying attention. And she, but I'm like, yeah, we have one more after this. It's incredible. And she's like, oh, so it's eight. And I'm like, yeah. And it's nuts, right? Like, I don't know. I've exerted a ton of energy as a fan. I can't imagine how the Bucks feel. Um, but the ser- at least the series, you know, for Philly and Atlanta has been as intense, right? And if Atlanta slides in, I actually think Atlanta's going to win tonight. And I think Atlanta's going to be the team um, to represent the represent on the, the one side of the bracket. I don't know how Philly recovers. I've And I think I said this yesterday, so I apologize for repeating myself, but that Philly team loves to quit. And until they don't quit, I, I can't be proven otherwise. So I actually really like Atlanta tonight. I think Atlanta does it. I think Atlanta brings it home. I think the Clippers do too. I, I, I The Jazz, and we wondered if the Jazz were kind of the bucks of, of the West and just sort of this team who has, you know, the way they do it. But it looks like they've been figured out, man. So I, I think we're going to get Suns Clippers. And then who knows? Either Hawks Bucks or Hawks Nets. I, I will say this. Just as an aside, if the Hawks do win, that is kind of bad news for the Bucks Because the refs will be hell-bent on getting Brooklyn in there. Because Atlanta-Milwaukee, no one... <laughs> I will care. Besides the residents of Wisconsin and Georgia, no one. I will say you have Trey Young, you have Giannis, you have guys who, who matter, but still, there won't be a ton of people outside of those states that will care. And the refs will be instructed to make sure that this is a Nets-Hawks uh, conference finals. So maybe we do need Philly to force a game seven. So that's taken out of the refs' hands. I was very nervous with Zach Zarba. Uh, who is a Brooklyn native as the lead ref on on the game yesterday? But thankfully, it did not affect the Bucks. Did not affect anything. Uh, Zarba though had some moments. Uh, you know, he didn't call an intentional. I think on Durant. 
Uh, there were a few moments where the refs were a little shaky, but what, what are you going to do? That, they, every game is kind of like that. So I know I mentioned rapid fire, but yeah, you know, we've talked 27 minutes. I think we're, we're pretty good. This I like the Bucks focus. I don't know. It'd be weird to be like, oh, let's just talk about the Brewers. Let's just talk about golf. Let's talk about uh, the whatever, the Madden cover and all that, which is garbage, uh, by the way. But yeah, we don't need to. Uh, we can save that for another day. Uh, but we'll be back. I may try to tape a podcast Sunday. I don't know when I have to go um, over to my father's for Father's Day. Um, which, by the way, if you don't have your card, you don't have your gift, it's Father's Day on Sunday. Happy to happy Father's Day, too, to my snow-tapped dads. But I may try to get in a Sunday pod um, in the morning, depending on how hungover I am. Um, so I will caveat that it's a maybe. Um, I'm questionable. But I, I may try to do that for the people. All right, guys. That does it for today. We'll see you at the Bra House on Saturday. It's going to be a party. It's going to be intense. It's going to be tight. I believe in this team. I said it last night after many tall boys that the Bucks are winning Saturday. I believe in this team. You should believe in this team. Carry the optimism. Don't think like, oh, here we go. We're going to lose again in Brooklyn. Just be positive. Yes. No one has won on the road in this series. Yes, the Bucks haven't won on TNT with Marv and Grant Hill, who drive me crazy because they're so in the bag for Brooklyn. But who cares? None of it matters. It's game seven. You throw everything out. And I just hope on Sunday we are talking about the Bucks in Atlanta or the Bucks in either Atlanta or Philly. And who do you want to play? All right, take care, guys. Go Bucks, and we'll talk. Probably Sunday, if not Sunday, Monday. All right, take care. Bye.